0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Yo, what's up? It's your boy, Chase the Dream, Pammy, and Ian Silverback-Butler. And we are back. It's been a few weeks. We were uh, last time in the studio at the Believe Mm -hmm. Network filming. But uh, now we're back at our home bases, Jumping back into the First Shot podcast, Ian Butler. Yo. What's on the horizon for sports? What's going on? Is there anything we need to right <laughs> for now? For
1: sports? For sports? Yeah. Uh, NBA playoffs are about to start. Mm-hmm. Right? And uh, I think during the NBA playoffs, wait. Does the NHL playoffs start before the NBA playoffs?
0: they are right around the same time because NHL playoffs are about a week and a half away.
1: Yep. Okay. Yeah. 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 So we have playoffs for NHL and and NBA and then baseball season is about to start. Uh, I think it already started, right? It already started. Uh, And then that's it. Oh, we got fights this weekend. UFC fights.
0: So friend of mine comes up to me and (laughs) says, Hey, I want to bet on sports, but I don't want to go down to the sports book here in Vegas. What do I tell him?
1: Well, I mean, it's easy for you to go to the sports book in Vegas because you live in Vegas for, for those that don't live in Vegas, like me, what you do is you go to bet online. All right. For all your sporting needs, just like I list, a lot of playoffs are coming off. Those are really good. Uh, betting, uh, scenarios to have so but go to bet online and go to believe 50 to get a 50% off welcome off bonus uh yeah bet online believe 50. Yeah 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 and then speaking of sports that were coming up and everything two things that came up on the first shot pipe. You were in Virginia Beach, and then I was in Mexico at the same time on the co-main event of Combat Jiu-Jitsu. You boy, came back a star. So, yeah, I was in a completely different country. You were on the opposite side of the country. <laughs> completely. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But tell me uh, what went down at NCHAs in Virginia Beach.
0: First of all, I'm eating these tater tots, bro. <laughs> I'm not even sure where I ordered them from, but I'm killing it over here. If you guys are watching the
1: video, tater tots, you, see you see
0: so down you these so tater tots. If you're yeah. listening on uh, Apple or Spotify, hopefully you're not hearing me crunch down on these. But if you do, I'm hungry. It's the middle of the day, and these tater tots are really good. So,
1: hey, those TCA tater tots. Hold on, wait, what side? Usually tater tots are a side. So what was the main portion of the tater tots?
0: Philly cheesesteak.
1: Damn, bro. Can't call it a
0: Philly cheesesteak, though. <laughs> I have lived in Philly, and I've That's had true. many cheesesteaks there, and I will need to – yeah, this is not – it's good. I mean, I'm hungry, but it th- there's definitely a difference. a Philly cheesesteak when you're in Philly and you know Las Vegas. It's not called the Las Vegas cheesesteak. So is what it is.
1: Okay. That was a good breakdown, bro. That was that was that was was deep.
0: (laughs) The listeners gotta know what's what's going on and why things are um nhsca's all right we brought uh we brought about 14 kids out from gold rush team nevada as a whole right around had right around 30 kids so that was pretty exciting just as a state and and as um and as gold rush just to put kids on a national stage right i think nhsca i haven't been a big fan of it honestly for a while i've only went you know two years but um, it is a big, big tournament. There's a lot of kids. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know, you know, I was discussing this with a few people, and they were wondering, you know, is it as tough as it used to be? Is it a little watered down? You know, what is it? And the way I explain to people is is if you put those brackets into thirds, you know, I would say that the the top third, you know the top third is 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 kind of that really division one level kind of kids, you know that are competing, you know, and I'd say kind of that 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 second, third, you know, that would be um your kind of bubble bubble kids, um, you know, and then you kind of got that tier below where it's first time kids at national tournaments getting exposure, you know, so that was kind of my breakdown of it. Um, but like I said, we had 14 kids go um and we had four kids, all American. Which was a nice turnaround after last year. Um, you know, last year we went one and eleven on the first day and ripped into the kids' asses, dude. Freaking gave it to them, you know, yeah, gave it, gave it uh, gave them a talking to, you know, gave them uh let them hear my mind a little bit. And uh, you know, but it, it was their choice this year to go. I didn't want to go to it, honestly, but. Um, I really believe it's it's freestyle season now Greco season, but they really wanted to go they wanted a chance to wrestle in the tournament and, and redeem themselves a little bit and, you know, it was it was kind of special because I felt like they there was definitely, you know, they wanted to, um, you know, please me in some ways that, hey, coach, like we got this, you know, and 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 uh, it was, it was good. So we ended up with a third, fourth, fifth, and seventh place. uh, uh, uh kids in the tournament so we got stuck there um we were supposed to leave sunday night we didn't get home until monday at one in the morning so technically what's up why'd you guys get stuck there was issues in nashville and we also there was weather but the thing that sucked is like we decided at our plane was leaving at 745 or it was supposed to leave at 845. Okay. On the change time, but then 745 was the actual time we was supposed to leave. So basically we decided at three o'clock that we're like, we're not going to take the chance, get stuck in Nashville, have to sleep the night in the airport and then leave the next morning. We were going to kind of relax a little bit, take our time, getting back, spend some time with, with the wrestlers and whatnot. So, come, you know, hour an hour before the flight's supposed to take off, I get a couple text messages from people that are like, "Hey, are you guys coming to the flight?" And I'm like, no, we're we're we decided we're not we're not we're gonna leave tomorrow." And they're like, oh, they're they're gonna leave a little bit earlier, and they're gonna hold the plane in Nashville to make sure everybody gets home, um, you know, tonight. And I was just like, man, like what, what, <laughs> you know? So I mean if it was if it was me, it was me, I probably would have, you know, just flew to Nashville and slept the night in the airport and whatever, but having all the kids and, and, and getting to spend time with them. And, and, you know, usually it's a, we have such a big club, that sometimes it's hard to personalize with all the kids. So just kind of got to get to got was my English is really bad today. was able to get to spend <laughs> some time with them, which honestly, the value in the tournament, we did great, you know, competitively, but also um, just the, getting to know each of these athletes a little more was, was really, really important,
1: you know? Yeah, dude. That's, that's amazing, man. That's really, really, really dope, man. Uh, I love Virginia beach Nash. I mean, NCHAs, so pretty much, uh, dude, last year, we actually met up last year, last year, we had a nice little beach house. It was really dope, man. It was really, really dope. And, uh, and uh watching you chew out your kids. <laughs> hilarious. And then uh we got some tough matches, man. Justin, our kid Justin came back to All-American, uh took third and then uh we met up at that Hooters, dude. Met up at that Hooters, my kid Julian did the little chicken dance in front of all the
0: mm-hmm. girls.
1: <laughs> they lied and said it was his birthday. And uh we have that video. I have that video on my Instagram actually on the stories of it. That was uh That was great times, man. That was really, really good times. So, yeah, 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 dude. I'm glad you guys had a good experience. I got you guys redeem yourself because I was the one that got that phone call that night after you guys went 1-11. That night. But, yeah, man. But I was over in Cancun, Mexico. Chase did not want to come with me. That is also a lie. (laughs)
0: had to be in Virginia. <laughs> had to be in Virginia. You had to be in Virginia. Yeah, okay. you did. You okay, did. So let's get by that. I, I'm, like, I'm jealous. You know, I, I wanted to be in Mexico. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. I was in Cancun fighting for uh, combat jujitsu, man. That was the co-main event. Um, you want to talk about memories? <laughs> that last a long time. I feel bad talking about my experience because Chase don't pissed talk about it, but you want to talk about memories that last a long time, man. It was amazing. I did my thing. I lost in double overtime. It was just such a great experience, man. The Mexican fans are amazing. It was a sold out arena. Um, it was just great just being there, man. And the culture of everything. And, um, those fans and kids of everybody I took pictures with and everything, man. That uh, Man, I cannot wait to go back. Um, I'll be back in December. December, November, December. November, December. But the middleweight one, I'll be back. Eddie Bobo invited me back. I actually trained with him on Tuesday. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then if you want to check it out, go to UFC Fight Pass. The replay is playing. Yeah. So that was my Dude. time. I'm excited for you.
0: I, 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 uh, I would have loved to be there. Yeah. Next
1: one. Next one. Next one. You don't have anything. Next one. The <laughs> next one.
0: And then the next one.
1: And then the next
0: one. But that, that's uh, exciting, man. Uh, you know, I, I, it's, it's cool to see you hustling. Cool yeah, to see yeah. you doing what you're doing. Right. You're 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 making uh making money moves, you know.
1: Yeah, Uh, it was really cool, man, because like when I first met you, like I was like uh I was like hurt at the time and then I got healthy and then I got hurt again and then now I'm back to like regular day, like, job, Ian, which I'm really happy right now, man, and it feels good to compete back on the world stage again um, and and be competitive there. That's the most important part. But I think in the second time, like, you just don't know what's going to happen, right? Uh, So I think at these moments now, being back on the stage, I think it's important because I get to share these experiences with you, uh, going to high roller and competing for a title and then going over to Mexico. I mean, we're talking about going to different countries now. It's uh, cool. And I think it's just man when you guys are at virginia beach for all the kids that are traveling to these big national tournaments and stuff like that um you know how it feels like going overseas competing the biggest thing is just being in the moment and just enjoying your time <laughs> there and just enjoying the people around you um that's the most important thing that i had fun in mexico
0: let's go so before we jump into our topic professional athletes what 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 it's what 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 does it look like to be a professional athlete right you're a professional athlete I've been a professional athlete um but before we jump into that after Bob Beach we went to Reno Worlds once a year so uh we had a we had a really great tournament the exciting thing to see was you know we we kind of market ourselves as a club that has kids at all ages and all levels, you know, yep. we really try to, your results should mimic that you have success in all those different areas. Right. Cause we have three, four year olds, five, se- six, seven year olds, eight, eight through 12 year olds and high schoolers and girls travel beginners in all those ages, advanced in all those ages. And to see those different levels have success <clears throat> was really exciting. We had a seven U girl, you know in the finals we had a 7u girl take fifth place we had a 12u girl in the finals um you know we had three 12u kids in the finals we had a high school kid yeah. in the finals um and then we had um a middle schooler take uh take fifth in in the high school division and we had um what did we have we had a couple other placers we had a, we had a 10u placer you know so Seeing that success at different levels is really helpful um, and kind of pre-topic, right? This is something that I think is, you know, you as a fighter and you hear this word thrown around a lot. Um, I actually heard Dewey saying this in the corner, uh, you know, we we're cornering Cody, you know, Garbrandt in the last fight. And I would hear him say that to various athletes, you know, and he'd say, you know, first round in sparring, hey, we're collecting data, right? We're collecting data. And, yep. and, you know, maybe you explain, I'm not, I'm I know what it means, but I'm not a striker. So explain, explain for a minute, what, what collect data means. Yeah. I, I kind of so, have a, a, a direction I want to go with this.
1: Yeah. So collecting data is really important. Um, you are just trying to figure out what guys, uh, what your guys trying to do. So obviously I'm diverse in striking and fighting glory cake boxing, right? Um, it's the biggest striking organization, right? I think boxers, like, first two rounds, they're like kind of collecting data, but they have 12 rounds to figure it out, right? Um, so, for the first part, pretty sure like, first couple of rounds, you're collecting data by just throwing out your jab, seeing where he's moving. Is he stepping left? Is he stepping right? Um, collecting, you're really collecting and looking at tendencies, right? Tendencies. What tendencies do you see that you can explode? Uh, ex- <laughs> pretty much explode, but explore, right? Explore. So you can get to an explosion. So you can capitalize on it pretty much, right? So, um, yeah, you can even do it in wrestling a lot. Like uh, Ricky does it sometimes. Sometimes he uh, and Kai, they like touch their head, see if they're reaching a little bit and then they drop to their knees. And then if they don't respond sometimes, uh, you can collect that data and go back to your knees and then the low ankle picks available, right? Because maybe they're not touching their hand to the ground or maybe they're not getting low as you, but the ankles are free. Right. So like you can collect data that way, but it's it's a really big term that a lot of strikers use more per se. Then you kind of I kind of just got into it by just uh taking it over to wrestling too, you know. Um I don't know what we kind of I don't know what wrestlers say. What do wrestlers?
0: No man, it's you know, so I have kind of two ways on this, but one was like, Yeah, wrestlers, we don't really think of it in that way, you know. I say foreigners are very good at this. And I don't know I don't know if they mean to or not but I like I would always say when I'd wrestle, wrestle guys from Russia or, or, or other countries like that that it's almost felt like you were playing a game of chess with them. You know they were always kind of three four moves ahead but they would never really tie you know Americans when we come in we tie up we're really tight we're heavy with our hands most of the time right that's that's kind of across the board you know, there, there, there is obviously, you know, there's people that don't fit in that, but right. generally speaking, you know, and uh, you wrestle a foreigner the first time you, you, you kind of try to grab them. They're very loose, very relaxed. Right. And one thing they do really well is like exploit your mistakes. Like, and if they, yeah. if you take them down right away, they're usually pretty good at being able to figure out and make adjustments. Right. And I think, They'll just, things they'll do different things throughout the match to kind of you'll put a hand up, but you know they're putting a hand up not to really not to really tie up with you. They're just gonna try and figure out what you do. They're gonna put their hand in different spots just to see how you react, and and that's kind of that collect data piece, you know. And I think in wrestling, I don't it's I don't know I don't think it's a tool that we really use a lot, especially in America, because right. We, we're, we're Americans. We go out, we, we, we battle hard, we fight hard, we score first. We, that's kind of our, like, that's kind of our mentality, you know, where there, there, there's a, there's once you go up higher in the levels, especially, you know, I think you get guys and they talk about wrestling IQ. That's probably the closest word that we use when we say wrestling IQ is like the ability to, to gather data within a moment, you know, with, within a sequence of a match and, make your adjustments based on that data that you gather, which is really hard, dude. That's, that's, that's like one of the amazing pieces of high level wrestling. You know, you talk to guys who've been there, a guy like Jordan Oliver, who had great like Matt awareness. And I think wrestling IQ, you yep. know, Matt, where he was, what the score was, um, you know, what, what the athletes tendencies were doing, how they were reacting, knowing how much time was left, you know, knowing exactly where he was at all moments, having, having a great wrestling IQ, you know, but also just, you know, I think he'd always did a great job of, at least from my side, really making adjustments, figuring out what athletes did. So that that's what we talk about with wrestling too, is, you know, I think that's a tool that can be utilized more, you know, on the competitive side, you know,
1: I Uh, think it's really free. It's really important, bro. I, uh, I am uh, uh, I like to be a mat wizard, which means I like to collect data. And I think what really helped me was k- using that term and really breaking it down by, I think boxing really helped, man. Boxing really helped when I was doing it. Dude. Uh, they, it they're very strategic. That's why it's called the sweet science, right? Like they were very strategic uh, when I went out there. And I had a Mexican, my boxing coach was the Mexican national teams coach. And he's just like, yo, jab out there, move, set your feet, see if you can create angles, angles, angles. Where's he stepping up? He's leaving that jab hanging out and outdoor right hand over the top. Like, and then when you go in the corner, think about all those adjustments, that keyword adjustments, right? There's 12 rounds for you to make adjustments and they're just dissecting everything, man. And I just took it into grappling. Um, I'm USC bypass. I made the adjustment, uh, I calculated. So I was testing the waters. Um, they have an up down rule. Uh, I found out about it the same time everybody found out about it, which is on national TV, which is pretty much you have a minute to score takedown. If you don't, you get to pick top or bottom. Eddie will create that rule in jiu-jitsu to prevent stalling up top. Right Now, um, for those that did jiu-jitsu, uh, if you pick top, the bottom guy is in uh double butterfly like this. Around your back, right? The guy swept me twice. I ended up back on top, but my adjustment was his butterfly was too good. So I started to split the legs and he couldn't sweep me anymore. Right. So you had to make those adjustments. And that adjustment was huge enough for me to like rend around on top, right? Pretty much, right? So those are huge. And that's something that you have to really start doing, especially in those longer matches, bro. Like I think I'm pretty sure Keegan Ortool collected a lot of data from the first two matches that he had and lost and he goes like third time's a charm bro i collected a lot of data and made those adjustments and he pretty much won a national title after losing a david carr two and two dude he was up two and oh on the season yeah 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 but keegan or is uh i i can tell for sure he's a data collector
0: yeah <laughs> the great ones are man you know the great, great. ones the great yeah. ones
1: uh, they
0: when they wrestle somebody multiple times you better be good at, at, at and especially you know especially when you're chasing somebody but two when you're the person that's winning it's harder when you're winning dude you they you you beat somebody twice in wrestling the third time's third time's hard you know especially <laughs> at the high level because people start making, making those adjustments
1: so when did you figure out when did you because i believe everybody that's high level everybody that's high level can data collect. Right. And I think there's also levels to data collecting too. Like, are you actually going at a fast pace and thinking and data collecting at the same time? Right. I think those, the great ones do. Right. But when did you start putting together stuff and started data collecting? Like in what part in your career that you really started just like flowing, flowing, like, and just like, Oh, like, Oh, he's doing this. So I got to do that. Like,
0: you know, I would say later on in my career, which is really, you know, I look back on now and I'm like, man, like, you know, the last two years that it really like, that I slow down enough to, and I always say like working with Mark Hall, he was dude, kid phenom at the time, bro. He was going into, he was going into college as I was getting close to like wrapping up my international career, you know, like. And I worked with him all all the way from whatever it was, March or February that year, all the way through the summer until he left for college. And I will always say, like, working with him, I learned so much about just scrambling and and freestyle scrambling and how to be creative with wrestling. And um, But I could also tell when I would wrestle with him, like, certain movements that he would do and like okay i know this reach is going to come that was the kind of the 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 iq advantage i had over him with him being young um and me being a little bit older at the time i think he was you know 1920 or whatever and i was was 28 29 so i was able to you know i would train with him when we'd go live i remember just being able to pick apart okay i know when i do this he's gonna put his hand here okay let me see let me make sure boom (laughs) Oh, oh, he doesn't. Okay. Let me see what he does when I put my hand over here, see if he does the same thing and then where I can re-grab. Sure enough, like put him hand there, He put in the same spot. Okay. So that's that's when th- that was those and those were kind of practice live, you know, in practice live matches that I was able to really understand it. I'm sure that a lot of my career I was doing it subconsciously. You know, that there there's coaches that talk about tendencies. I first heard the word tendencies from Sammy Henson when he uh when he coached me in college, um, I remember we were watching a match on Gregor Gillespie defending national champion. Um, and we scouted about five or six guys in my weight class at the time. And sure enough, we get to the first tournament of the year and third match out the gates is Gregor Gillespie. And we know, you know, we had already scouted and figured out, okay, this is what he's, this is what he's going to do. This is what your reaction is going to be to it. Um, and just being aware and how to respond. And sure enough, took that shot. Uh, I, I down block, reshot low, low single on him and took him down, you know? So we, we had kind of figured out some tendencies and we we're able to do that. So, um,
1: that's another word to it, data collecting and then tendencies. Those are the two words that are like really big in this process. Exactly.
0: So, you know, this is where we talk about levels and being professional athletes, right? One of the things that professional athletes do is, is they're, you know, they're incredible collecting data, right? My point, I was going to bring it back to about that as well as tournaments. A lot of times when you're going, when you're in a tournament in the heat of the battle, I know I'm like this still where you get your emotions, like you get your emotions so involved in it. And it's so hard to even think clearly, right? You know, we try to, as a staff, we try to take notes or I try to go to my staff throughout the tournament and, and, ask them, you know, what they're seeing, what they're thinking, you know, what's going on, where we get, what do we need to do? What do we need to get better at? You know And I'm trying to do, especially the national tournaments. I really try to be deliberate about that kind of stuff and intentional where I think I can do a better job. Um, But with that, looking at tournaments as data, right. Mm Mm-hmm. Lot wins and losses. You get the win, you're rah, rah, You're super excited, right? You lose your, it's hard, right? The emotions go up and down, but trying to keep that thought process in mind for me as a coach, one is like, I'm collecting data on my kids on where they're at, their training, what they've been doing, right? Is the the stuff that we're doing working or is it not? What, why is it not working? Do we need to change something? So asking those questions, um, and and like working through that data of tournaments and taking the emotions out of it, if you think about it, all in all, all wrestling tournaments really are. I keep telling, I tell my kids, I'm like, all wrestling tournaments really are is 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 uh, the scientific method, right? Yeah, you're, you're making a claim. Hey, I, I I think I can go win this tournament. You know, <laughs> right. what do you that that you're making a claim, making a hypothesis, right? Okay, we're gonna go test it. You go out to the tournament. Ooh, you took third. Tested it. All right, now you got to look at all the data. What 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 went wrong? You know, was it in your preparation? Was it your mind? Was it the match? Did something hurt? You know, you look at your data, you analyze it. From there, you come up with a a, a conclusion, you know, from your data, and then what, what's your what's your steps moving forward? You know, that's really all tournament is if you if you take the emotion out, is that scientific process of you know, scientific method over and over and over. But um but that's what, that's what, that's what professional athletes, you know, at the highest level, the <laughs> great ones, dude. And, and and I look back on my career and say, look, man, I was, I was good. I was, I was, I was, I was, I was a really good wrestler and I was, you know, all this, but was I great? No, not great. Not Jordan Burroughs. Great. You know, not, you know, not Tom brands. Great. You know, that, that was there, there were some levels there that I didn't really realize at the time. Like, why were these these guys, or why did these people before me or at this time have success? Some of it, yeah, some of it's athletic. argue it for what it, you know, what it. But regardless of that, like there there's just levels on on how athletes climb that mountain. How do they get to the next best place, right? And their mm-hmm. ability to kind of collect data, make adjustments against great competition in the moment. that's that's what makes wrestlers great. Yeah, man. That's what professional athletes the (laughs) best are the best. You know, and (laughs) you'd agree with me at the professional level, the highest level. The distance between one, two, three, four, five, and six is like people always say it's a game of inches, right? Like it really is. It's like it is very very small amounts. Is. So that's why it becomes so important of how can you analyze all of the different data points of, of what you're doing as a professional athlete.
1: So since I'm back to competing, I'm a professional athlete <laughs> and I'm one of the best in the world. Um, So breaking down my match because I am data collecting myself, right? Competing on the world's greatest stage. So, My data collecting, it's I lost in double overtime, which is in double overtime in the biggest jujitsu competitions in the world, on the world stage, they do a thing called EBI rules where you get to take the back or take the arm. My opponent picked taking the back. He escaped a little bit faster than me, and I lost on escape time, right? I'm kind of new to the rule set. Eddie Bravo, the owner, right, um, was like, Yo world-renowned black belt come on down dude i'll show you everything we can let's just grow like the sport's growing i'll show you the real base and everything so i went on tuesday to go train with eddie bravo um i did a class it's been a while since i did a class on my own some of the fighters at my level we kind of bring guys to us and stuff like that it's not class oriented but you mostly work one-on-one you and cody probably mostly work one-on-one Once in a while, he's in a class with other people so he can get in rounds, right? But that's at the higher professional level. So me going all the way back to like class setting, right? And Eddie's just like there and like, Ian, this is this. And we did overtime rules and we went live and situational overtime rules. So I am collecting data so I can get better at it. So I can get back to the number one rate gain and be the best in the world, pretty much. But yes, but that's exactly what you hit on, Chase. The best people in the world got to collect. I have my notebook here for all the notes and everything that I need to work on and more. And that's what you have to do as a professional athlete because I believe that word professional, it's your job. It's your job to It's your job, to be honest. And that's something that I'm learning later on in my career. Um, When I first turned pro, I was just excited just to be a pro. But um, being a professional fighter is not a lot of people that will show you the steps and runs, boom, 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 boom here. But I found mentors. I found the best in the game. Kind of taught me this is what you have to do to be a pro. And it's just you wake up, you put on your rope boots every single day. My English is bad today, too. So (laughs) um, you put on your work boots and you just get to work. You know, Um, all the things you said, Chase, of like, that's why you said, like, at the end of your career, you found out all these things, right? right? That's the thing, you know? Um, once you start figuring it out and you put it all together, man, you will be unstoppable, but it's your job. And that's what, yeah, man, it's your job. Take, take to it, own it, you know, but you can still be a professional as a high school kid though, too. It's just owning your craft and just a workman's work. Right. Like kind of like blue, blue collar.
0: Thousand percent, thousand percent, man. <laughs> Set you right on the head. Right. So, um, we could go on and on with this topic and probably be on this for, for, for a long time, but keeping it, keeping it broad, keeping it simple. Right. You got to be able to collect data. So with that, I know what my life was like as a professional athlete from day to day. Yeah. Why don't you talk for a minute through the day of a professional athlete?
1: Yeah. Um, so what is my considered work? Monday, Wednesday, Friday, the, the mornings are the same, which I wake up and lift. Um, that's my job in the morning. And then I come home, rest. I'll look at film on stuff I need to work on. Um, so I have a film session. And then I will go do jujitsu later on in the afternoon. So uh, Tuesday, Thursday um, it's probably going to change a little bit since I'm going down to uh, see Eddie Bravo. But I do conditioning in the morning. And then I will do jujitsu jitsu later on in the afternoon as well. But now I'll probably switch to doing jiu-jitsu in the morning than doing conditioning, you know? Um, so yeah, but the key thing is pretty much, it's just like, um, I have a schedule <laughs> that I have to I have to definitely stick to and I have to be disciplined about it. And I have to make the right choices in eating because I'm still making weight as well. Um, so I just make sure when I wake up, I'm hydrated, my body's hydrated, I'm eating the right things in my body. So I can perform, which is roll, do everything, learn to my best ability So I can win these matches and win these fights, right? So, um, pretty much that's my life as a professional athlete, man. And make sure you're getting a lot of rest and sleep and taking care of yourself. That's
0: it, dude. That's it. That's the life. So, you know, I think uh, it's it's a really you. One of the things that's interesting too, that I when I again it it happened when I was kind of. And then my, pretty much end of my career last year is we went, uh, I was coaching division one at the time. And then, um, I was still, comp- I was on my last year as a competitive athlete. So we went to the Div- division one tournament. Um, it was in Pittsburgh that year. And we, um, we toured the Pittsburgh Steelers kind of facility and all that kind of stuff. And I remember we, like, as we drove up, I'm like, Oh, we're going to a professional athlete facility. You know, we're, we're going to, you know, see professional athletes. And, like, it had hit me for the first time, like, wait, this is pretty much what I did. I lived at the Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs. Only certain loud, people were allowed in there, right? And and I was training full-time to be an Olympian, you know? And when it kind of hit, like, oh, man, that that was my job for a while. Like, I was a professional athlete. You know, I was really blessed to be able to do that. Uh, you know, my days, I remember mine were really, like, they were, they were really, like, uh, Cause I wasn't running a business or anything at the time. So I was just training. So usually when you're at the training center, we'd have, um, I'd get up at like six 30, go downstairs, um, have breakfast in the cafeteria, small breakfast, some coffee, walk back to my room and then get my stuff. When we go lift at, at 8am, get done at 8am, uh, go from like eight to 10am. Um, once you're done around 10, uh, you, you go to the, go back, uh, go back to, uh, either go to recovery or go back to the cafeteria. So cafeteria, <laughs> have some lunch, read a little bit, you know, hang out with your, your buddies, your coach, and then go back to the room. You know, maybe sometimes you go to a coffee shop, go get out, go on a short hike or something, um, go play disc golf, um, or you just go back to your room and chill, take a nap. If, if, especially if you're in a hard training cycle, right? So, Take that yeah. nap, then uh, you get back up, practice again at two fifteen. Got to do, you know. Usually, you get done with that that afternoon practice, and you'll usually almost always go to recovery, in some way or another. Whether it was a massage, whether it was you know, whether it was just cold tub or, or, or uh, steam room, right? So when you get done, you'd have, to have a little bit of recovery shake in there, and then uh, go to dinner right around six six o'clock, have some dinner go back to your room, <laughs> read, watch a movie, watch a TV show or whatever you're going to do. And then lights out and rinse and repeat. So that was pretty much it, man. There, there was, some, there were some other things you did in there, but like when you're really hunkered down, you know, you, you really kind of stuck to that schedule. Um, which, you know, again, it's a time of my life. I'm super, super thankful for that. I got to, uh, that I got to experience and, and got to be a professional athlete, you know? So, um, but that's all I got, man. You have a
1: day. That is up. it, dude. That is it. That's that's hold up. hold up. We had some really good topics, man. Closing and thoughts. Yeah. Closing thoughts. Um is uh so we had a lot of good words of collecting data tendencies, being a professional athlete. Um at the end of the day. I'm going to hone all of them into one, which is just be a professional. Be a professional means collecting data, being professionals, being mature, and just, you just got to take stuff on your own, which is, you just can't have your parents tell you, yo, you got to go do this or force you to do that. You guys are not kids anymore. You guys are getting ready to go to college and be like pretty much an adult and be on your own. So you might as well just do it now, right? So which that means is like, yo, if you need to go get better, tell your parents, I need to go to a club. I need to do this. Start collecting data, start taking on yourself and going to more tournaments. That's how you really collect data. Start writing down your notebook and then boom. Yeah. And that, and that will help you be a professional before going off to college and everything else. And you can take that throughout your life.
0: Love it. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for joining us on not the second shot, but the first shot podcast.